welcome to the Voice of Aged Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Badgick-Smith, and in over a decade, I have helped to improve mental well-being of hundreds of older Australians. This podcast offers an authentic insight into well-being in late life, practical tips for those who support our elders, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person has a number of strengths that can be uncovered and promoted to help the older person achieve better mental well-being despite the changes in their health status. Welcome to another episode, my friends. Today I wanted to talk to you about something a little bit different and, you know, from many perspectives people might think, oh, well, you know, it's a physical issue, it's not an emotional one, but I just want to talk to you about my experience of supporting a retirement village that's going through redevelopment. And so what I wanted to do today is just tell you a little bit of a background about this lovely retirement village that I first visited more than a decade ago here in Sydney and and just the change and the coping styles that I've seen people display with what perhaps, you know, the most difficult time that they've had since they moved into the village in terms of the changes that they're going through and the, the redevelopment of the site. So I found out about this not long ago and the, the elders didn't know about it any sooner than I did, but it was just in terms of the site getting redeveloped and knocked down and all their beautiful, lovely little single two-bedroom little villas getting demolished and made into a high-rise. So I I guess from many perspectives, you know, change is inevitable and nothing is forever, but this, this little site brings up a lot of topics and things we've spoken about in previous episodes and, and what I want to talk to you about today as well. So today's episode is really about retirement village getting uprooted and what that means for the residents and what it means for for the workers and what it means emotionally, psychologically and, and, you know, is it okay not to be okay about the fact that, you know, people have to move and leave their homes and it's not because of the changes in their health. So I'll structure today's episode by talking to you about, you know, different coping styles. Um, we also talk about this integration of support networks happening in the village about, you know, the change and how it affects us in all different stages in our lives. And I want to talk to you about a little bit about what I've been doing with the residents to help them through this change as well. So let's get started. Yeah, I've kind of given you a bit of a rundown, but when episodes start, we often, I tend to go off track and talk a little bit more about certain aspects. So I'll do my best to stay on topic as much as I can. So we know everyone copes differently. And so when I went to this village, I, you know, I initially thought, oh, well, everyone would be devastated that it's getting, you know, knocked down and they're going to have to move out permanently. And it's not just about being moved into this temporary accommodation. It was a beautiful village that they lived in and it was so nice and so scenic. And they've, you know, they've got ponds in the back of the village with ducks visiting and a lot of residents, they chose to live in this village because of the proximity to public transport, you know, hospitals and everything. And and, and they've had their own gardens. And I think that was a big thing for a lot of residents. They really chose to live there because 
of the fact that it was a villa, you know, a villa within, you know, close proximity to public transport and getting into the city. Um, and for some, you know, like one of the ladies I spoke with, she said, you know, I, I planted my own daffodils in here and, you know, I saw them bloom and, you know, someone picked them and I think that they just thought, well, you know, everything's getting demolished, everything's going, you know, so I might as well just pick these daffodils. But it was just a lot of people, you know, that sense of, you know, they wanted to be on the ground floor. They didn't want to go into a high rise and that's why they chose to live in the village. And so it was a huge bombshell when they found out, well, actually th- this site is not immune to the mass growth and redevelopment that's happening all around Sydney, that's happening all around Australia, all around the world. You know, nothing, you can't, <laughs> can't keep living where you are forever and ever without some change happening either, you know, within the complex where you live or close to you. And I know many of you may have seen some images on social media where a person refused to buy into the developer and, you know, they stayed in the house and then they build this big complex around them or they avoid them, their house and, you know, motorways built around it. But realistically speaking so, for a lot of people that that change is, it's inevitable. And I think for a lot of people, in this retirement village, they never thought that they would be having to move and leave the village because of it being redeveloped and everyone losing contact with their neighbours and people moving from one site to another and just the, the massive impact that it's had on them. So everyone's coping differently. Everyone is, not, not everyone's absolutely heartbroken, devastated by, by what's going on. Some people have use the adaptive coping strategy straight away, put their name on the list, they've already moved out, they're gone. Some are passive, they're saying, I'm not dealing with it this year, I'm going to look into it this year. Uh, next year, this is going to be a future me problem. I'm not putting it outside of my mind. But I think even for those who have decided to stay on in the village, the disintegration of their support network is already happening. So, you know, they have 8.30 a.m., um, daily walk that they do around the village and there's already that disintegration because some people have left, they're not there anymore. And so for those who have decided to stay there, they have found that they are no longer, you know, seeing the same faces anymore. Some people have left, some people are no longer there, some people are there. And so for them, in in many ways, it has been about, well, hang on, who's still here? Who's still my, you know, neighbour? And those who have left, they're suddenly going through the process of, well, you know, no, they're not there. So they perhaps didn't really know that they would be facing those changes quite so rapidly that, you know, the, the support network that they used to have within the village is suddenly not there anymore. So even if they decided not to do anything and not move, they are still facing the same issue because they, the person next door may have decided to use more adaptive coping strategy and perhaps they found something and maybe, you know, luck had something to do with it as well, but they're no longer there. So they're still dealing with the situation even though if, if they decided not to deal with it and just be passive about it, they still have to deal with the fact that, you know, their friend has moved on. This episode is proudly brought to you by the Beyond Reluctant Move book, Practical Approach to Wellbeing in Residential Aged Care Facilities. Let's together beat the myth that depression and dementia are a normal part of ageing. Grab a copy today from wisecare.com.au. So I've been working with the village and 
I got a, a government grant to support them through running groups, which I license out to retirement villages and nursing homes nationally. And I've got a lot of homes using this program at the moment and, and working on. And I always, you know, all the products that I have and, and services that I offer, I really enjoy seeing that happen live and seeing that in use. But I also enjoy every now and then having my hand in it too and, and, and being on site and delivering the program. So I offer to this village I put proposal together, which was accepted by government, to run an eight-week program with the residents who are still there, going to be for the you know eight weeks. Uh, I haven't lost any. No one's moved out during the eight weeks. This program has been running to run a preventative psychoeducational group program called Wellness Adventure. So you may have seen that on my website, and you may have come across it. You all heard me talk about it previously, but I really wanted to go on site and do the program and do it exactly the same as the licensees who are doing it across other, you know, locations and in different organisations, just for the consistency purpose. So I really stuck to the facilitator manual and provided participants with their handouts, just like other sites would do without me there. So I didn't change it in any way. And the results have been quite remarkable. It's been really the group is very strong and we've had same participants come in every single week to the groups and it's so nice because they greet me. They sit in the circle, even even no matter if I'm 10 minutes earlier, they're all already there well ahead of the group session. So that's been really, really beneficial to just see that in, in, in practice. But more so than that, like, you know, we, we're talking in the group sessions about psychoeducation, about resilience building, about coping strategies about self-care strategies, about problem solving, and they're all on different journey and I respect that and it's really important to note that their own individual journey is different in, in many ways and that they're dealing with a challenge of, you know, having to find a new home in their 80s, their 90s, and that, you know, it, it, it is quite stressful, but these are resilient beings and so everyone being on a different journey is it's not appropriate for me to sit there and go, you know, you're all stressed or you're all, uh, you know, upset or you're all frustrated or you're all angry because they all they don't all have those emotions and they're all processing it quite differently. And and the good news that's come out of the the group work that I've done with them, it's you know, apart from me learning so much about all of them, their their reasons for moving into retirement village about their lifestyle and what, what goes on day to day, what they do to keep active, what they do to for their own well-being, is that I've actually been able to hear their stories and learn more about their, their coping strategies in, in, in real applicable way. So I talk a lot about things from, you know, talking to other licensees who do activities, but actually for me to really see in hand what, what goes on and what, what motivates them, what keeps them going, so, so invaluable. And this, this content really helps me create products that I do, be it, you know, grief and loss training program, be it enhancing emotional well-being, finishing my second book about unexpected changes in late life. All this information is just so nicely helpful for me in terms of the content, the information, um, the coping strategies right from these people who are going through something that is, you know, very, very, very challenging in the sense that, you know, it's unsettling that they, you know, have to pack up everything and, and move out. So I'm finding that, you know, speaking to the funding body not long ago about this program and the success of it is that, you know, I found that those people who've actually been coming to groups and joining and, and making new connections in, in the group that we've 
put together and, and sharing with others their feelings and emotions, they're actually doing quite okay. They're doing well because they're coming out of their little villas and after their morning walk and they're joining our groups once a week for one hour, for eight weeks, is that they're, they're coping well. They're having opportunity to debrief, to discuss the challenges in our sessions. It's not group psychotherapy, it's education. And they don't actually need to get a referral from a doctor to go and see a psychologist. They're, they're actually demonstrating very good resilience and strength. And I think that the group pro- that, that's the aim. That's been the aim of the group program. And I'd love to see more aged care providers do similar. I mean, the content that we cover can also be delivered, you know, in when um, a person just moves into residential aged care, if they have opportunity to sit with others and to talk about their own process of how they accept the change that they've gone through and how that's been helpful or unhelpful or what the challenges are, it might really help them adapt more to the, the challenge that is ahead of them. And I certainly think for this village that I've been working with, being able to bring people together in a room and to discuss what's going on and sh- share and allow them to share their experience and their interpretation of what is going on has been really, really beneficial. And I think that that's been the main success of what we've been doing is the timing. The timing has been right. The timing has worked well that the uh, the program was delivered at the time when they needed help and that will help carry them through wherever they might move into in the future where they find their accommodation and just to think, yes, you know, we had that opportunity to come together as a group. We had about up to 20 people in a group session and we were able to address their concerns, hear their stories, hear the challenges that they're facing and to offer them support and, you know, listening without judgment. So, you know, you you don't need to be a psychologist to support someone, but just being able to recognise that, hey, you know, this is Bob and this is what he's going through and this is Mary and this is what she's going through and this is what she's experiencing. And I think from that point of view, it really is beneficial to know that, you know, bringing people together helps them identify what is challenging them and to also see for themselves how others go through those changes and how they perceive them and how their problems solve through them because we just don't create enough of those opportunities for people to be able to do that. So, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. The residents are really, really demonstrating good resilience. Their coping strategies have definitely improved and I'm really proud of them and what they're going through. So even though, you know, their home is getting demolished and they're not, you know, promised to be able to get a unit in the new new site when it's all developed and, you know, it will take some time to develop it anyway, but they're, they're leaving the village quite resilient and strong and having quiet skills in their late life and I'm just so proud of them. And I just wanted to share this with you that it's not all doom and gloom towards the end of life when you think about, you know, well, they're not actually dying. They're not in the end of life. They're, you know, they're in a retirement village. But just still that things can pick up. And if we use those skills to build wellness and resilience in late life, we can help others um, and support them better. And it, and it can also help those who support people in, in late life realize just the value of the job and what they do and how much it's beneficial for the older person and how much it can improve their outcomes as well. So I think from that point of view, it's really important to know that you matter. What you do is important. Look at ways of how you can create opportunities for your clients that you support to be able to 
discuss their concerns, to hear them out, to recognise that they are uh, valuable members of our society and that their voice is heard too and what they do matters. And, yeah, I just think, you know, looking at how we can support and recognise those individual differences amongst people is really, really important to understand where they're coming from and how to support them the best. That's it for today and for this episode, and I hope you'll join me next time. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Make sure you don't miss out when I release the next episode by becoming a subscriber on over on your podcast app of choice. And if you can, please leave a review too. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. Now, the next thing you need to do is head straight to wisecare.com.au and check out my top downloaded resource, Five Facts About Me, which can drive better engagement with the elderly client regardless of your role in their lives. I'll see you at the next episode.